Howdy folks, and welcome to the Texas A&M RUF podcast. RUF stands for Reformed University Fellowship, and we believe that ministry is getting people to deal with how God has revealed himself to us in his word. We exist for the convinced and unconvinced, and believe that you are never so good that you stand outside the need of God's grace, while at the same time you are never so bad that you stand outside the reach of his grace. What this podcast is, is a collection of our large group sermons given by our campus minister, Austin McCann. We hope you enjoy the talk. Okay. So today's scripture reading is from 1 Genesis 26 through 31, and then we're going to skip over to 2 Genesis 18 through 25. All right. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant-yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with its seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food, and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, what a blessing it is to be here. Thank you for the summer. Thank you for school and this education we get to have. Thank you for RUF and the blessing it is to gather together on this Wednesday night. Um, Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercies. Thank you for good worship. Father, let the words that come from Austin's mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Uh, y'all, welcome to RUF. Uh, I should say howdy first. Howdy! Howdy! Y'all, it really is good to be back. Welcome to RUF. My name is Austin McCann. I'm the RUF campus minister here. Uh, I also want to call attention to our female intern, uh, Emma Pearson, in the back. So Emma, would you go? Thanks, Emma. Girls get to know her. She's awesome. She'd love to meet with you. Literally, my job, her job, 
is to meet with you and talk about Jesus and talk about the Bible. So uh, if you're like, hey, I'm new to this and I have questions about the Bible and about Jesus and about all of this, then please reach out to me or reach out to her. Our job is to meet with you and go get coffee or free lunch. Um, so really, I just want to say this. I miss you all a lot. Like College Station, uh, it's not the same. Without y'all, there is a lot less traffic. Uh, so uh, I don't miss that, but, but I did miss you. Uh, and so it's glad, I'm, I'm glad you are here. And listen, let me say this. Uh, a special welcome to the class of 27. Uh, welcome. We're glad you're here. Uh, and to everybody, if you're transferring in new, welcome. Is, you know, we're glad you're here too. And really, if this is your first time walking through the doors of Allface into RUF, we say this all the time, but the RUF exists for both the convinced and the unconvinced. So whether you've been a Christian your entire life and you grew up in church and you kind of know the Bible, and we're glad you're here. RUF is, is for you. And if you're here tonight and you're skeptical of the truth claims of the gospel and you're skeptical of Christianity, RUF exists for you too. We want you to bring your questions. We're glad you're here as well. And you've probably seen our signage outside, and we say this all the time, but RUF... We really do believe that you're never so good that you stand outside the need of God's grace. While at the same time, you are never so bad that you stand outside the reach of God's grace. And we really hope you taste, taste that when you come to RUF, when you interact with people here. Because we believe that's what the Bible teaches. And so we're glad you're here. Um, and so let me also say this. We also believe here that the Bible is not just words and information about God, but it's, it's actually that His Word, we really do believe that it's perfect, that's our final authority, that it transforms our whole person, and it's the central means by which God has chosen to reveal himself to us. And so what we normally do every large group is we just take a book of the Bible and we march through it every semester. But, freshman, you fell on a good year, okay? Every four years in RUF, we have a tradition where we, in the fall of every four years, we actually examine something that we think about 24-7, all the time on a daily basis, and that's relationships. And so, really, I, I want you to think of this, okay? Like, I want you to consider the past five days of your Texas A&M experience, all right? Especially if you're a freshman or, 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 or a transfer student. And seniors, don't forget this feeling, okay? Right? No one wants to be that person that, like, looks lost and confused on campus. Right? Maybe you have been that person. It's okay, okay? Right? So what you've been doing is you've been trying to navigate your, your way around campus and College Station. Like, traffic is insane. Like, you've been trying to figure out, like, how to not end up in the wrong place, in the wrong class. And on top of that, your clothes are probably drenched from, like, walking five seconds outside from, from class to class. Right? But, but all, in all of the chaos, in all of the heat, like, in all of the traffic, like, if I had to guess the thing that has brought out most of your insecurities and most of your fear and anxiety, maybe the thing that has also brought a lot of joy and excitement, if there's been some, it's people. It's actually relating to others, right? It's the constant worrying if people are judging me about what I'm wearing or what I look like, right? If I go to this event, will someone talk to me? Like, if there's, is there an organization or a campus ministry or a community on this campus where people will, like, actually want to get to know me? Yes, like, even at the end of college, seniors, you will be saying this. You'll be talking about this. You'll, you'll be talking about your major. You'll be talking about, I don't know, future jobs and, like, what's on the horizon, You'll be talking about like whether Jimbo was a great coach or you knew all along that he was a terrible coach and we should have gotten rid of him, right? You'll talk about all those things. But what you will find is that at the end of college, what you will be talking about and reflecting on the most in your college experience is people. It's the friendships you made. 
It's the, your communities and your sororities and fraternities. It's a person, I don't know, that you dated. It's a professor that you loved and respected and that poured into your life. The most formative reality in, the next, in these next four to five years, and really the rest of your life, it's relationships with people. All of the good, all of the bad, all of the awkwardness. Why? It's because relationships are central to who you are, to your anthropology, to your personhood, to your humanity. So with the reality of relating all the time, but not really thinking about how we navigate it, the question I want, to, I want all of us to consider tonight, and really the rest of the semester, is this. What does God and his gospel have to do with all of these really complicated relationships in my life? And what I want to hold out for you, and what I believe scripture holds out for you this semester, is everything. That God and his gospel has everything to do with your relationships. And the way that we'll consider that this semester is actually to let God himself inform our view of relationships through his word. Right, we'll, we'll get to dating, don't worry, okay? Right, but next week we're going to look at, at actually what went wrong in relating in the fall, right? Relating to our parents, friendships, singleness, dating, marriage, sex, enemies, the church, and everything in between. But tonight we're starting from the ground up and considering how we were designed to relate. Okay, so like a, a, a lot of our U.S. around the country do this, Okay. So I'm going to be using a lot of different material, a lot of different material from different theologians and scholars and campus ministers. So I want to be upfront about that. Little you hear from me will be absolutely original. Okay, probably a problem if, if it were. Um, I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. So let's look at two. So if you're a note taker, okay, let's look at two foundational features tonight that Genesis one and two, the very beginning of the Bible, what it shows us about relationships. Okay. So first is this that we are designed by God. For relationship with others. And second, that we are ultimately designed by God for, for relationship with himself. Okay, so first, we're designed by God for relationship with others. Okay, before we get to our passage that John read for us tonight, uh, first it needs to be said that at the very beginning of the story of Scripture, God reveals himself as our eternal creator and outlines for us in Genesis 1 through 2 the creation of all things. And so chapter 1 shows us the entire six-day creation process. And chapter 2 rewinds and zooms in on the sixth day of creation. But a few important details we learned from chapter 1 that I think is important to say here, okay? Is that first we, we learn that God created the world from nothing. Ex nihilo, you'll hear that, okay? He, he created out of nothing. Right? He is completely ind independent of time, space, and matter. He's not dependent on anything. And when he creates... He creates by his word. He actually speaks creation into existence. And so God's word is, is, is actually different from our words, right? Like I can walk outside on a very hot Texas A&M afternoon and be like, man, we really need rain. And like nothing will happen, okay? But, but when God speaks throughout scripture, power always comes forth. So that's the first detail, okay? Another detail is this, is that the days of creation, as God is creating, all have a pattern, right? God creates and then he says it's good. Right? He fills the void and declares it wonderful. Day one, we see light and darkness. Day two, the water and the sky. Day three, the land and the seas. Day four, the sun and the moon. Day five, the birds and the fish. Day six, the land animals and the creeping things. God made it, and then he declares it good. That's the pattern. And so Genesis 1 and 2 is God's creation before sin enters in, before rebellion happens, 
and actually distorts everything in chapter 3, which we'll talk about next week. So one way to think about Genesis 1 and 2, okay, is that it is God's original good design for the world. It's the original blueprint for how the world was supposed to be. So if that's the case, if that's true, like where do humans fit into this picture of God's good design? Right, we know this subconsciously, but in order for us to understand the purpose of something, we have to understand its original design. Right, consider Red Bull for a second, okay? Like, a drink that many of you will probably become very familiar with when finals come in December. But like, if you're, if you're ready to go to sleep, and you decide to like, gulp down two 20-ounce Red Bulls before crawling into bed, which maybe some of you already do that, which is crazy. But uh, don't do that. I, I don't know. Do that if you're a freshman, but you'll learn quickly not to do that. But, right, like, if you do that, and then an hour later you're like wired and full of energy, and you frustratingly say, like, man, Red Bulls are terrible. Like, they didn't help me sleep at all. Like, if that's why you called it terrible, then you've ignored the drink's original design and purpose. Right? You're asking an energy drink to be a sleep aid. When it's actually designed to keep you awake, and I don't know, like jump off of buildings with a cool parachute or something. Right? See, Genesis 1 and 2 begs the question. Like, what is the original design or purpose of a human? How does this connect to relationships? Well, our passage gives us a fascinating and significant answer. And it's all wrapped up in verse 27. God says this, God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him. Male and female he created. Did you hear it? That according to the scriptures, that every single person in this room tonight, even if you're a Christian or not, okay, this is coming from the Christian worldview, right? According to the scriptures, every single person in this room tonight is designed by God to be his image on earth. Right? That does not mean that we're many gods, like small gods, no. And it also doesn't mean that God shares all of his attributes with us, right? We're not all-knowing, we're not all-powerful, we're not all-present. But it does mean that he shares some very significant attributes of himself. His love, his justice, his mercy, his kindness, his holiness, for us to reflect him, just to name a few. You see, being in God's image means that there's actually a uniqueness to you. And you're different than all other created things. That's your purpose. That's how God fashioned you to function. That you're to reflect to the world and to one another what God is like. So the next question is this. Like, okay, like what is God like? <laughs> well, look at verse 26. It's a little odd, isn't it? God says, let us make man in our image. Like, who is God talking to? <laughs> right, there's strong evidence here that God is actually deliberating with himself. That there's self-communication going on. How can that be? Right, well, if you keep marching through the Bible, especially if you're new to Christianity tonight, just fasten your seatbelt just for a second, okay? If, you, if you're marching through the Bible, what becomes clear throughout the Old and New Testament is that God reveals himself as one God that exists in three distinct persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That the God of the Bible is actually a Trinitarian God. This means that he is not three separate gods. Neither is he one God that wears different masks and takes on different forms. Scripture tells us that he's one God, yet also distinct in three persons. The same in substance and equal in power and glory. Hold on, okay. <laughs> so what that means is this, that the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not the Father. But the Father is God, and the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. Crystal clear, right? Like, it's okay if you're confused, okay? 
God has revealed, while at the same time, God has revealed himself enough and sufficiently in creation and salvation for us to understand this in Scripture. While at the same time, the Trinity is still a mystery to our finite minds because God's infinite. This is going somewhere, I promise. Okay. So why is any of this important or relevant to me reflecting or imaging God in my relationships? Well, the Bible teaches us that, that you and I were created not because God was lonely. We were not created because God needed us. God didn't need any of us tonight. He's not dependent on any of us. Because from all of eternity, before anything was made, God lives a life of eternal communication and fellowship and communion as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That from eternity past, God the Father has always been loved in a loving relationship with His Son by the Holy Spirit. That the Trinity is a familial, relational communion of eternal, self-giving love. So our, the God that we serve in the Bible is not stingy. He's not selfish. He's not aloof. But from all eternity past, the very nature of God is that, is that He is a relational sharer. So what that means is this, that tonight you are a person so wonderfully and purposefully made, not because God needed you or was lonely, but you're a person that illustrates the relational Trinitarian fountain of God's love that brimmed over into creation. Really. That your entire existence, our entire salvation and redemption, and eventually restoration of all things, rests upon God's graciously sharing himself with us through the eternal love that he has for his son through the Holy Spirit. And here it is, okay? I promise this connect. If all that is true, which it is, if humanity is made in God's image, made to reflect what the triune God is like, and if God is fundamentally eternal loving, in, in eternal loving communication and communion with the Trinity, then being created in his image means that we are hardwired for relationships forgiving and receiving love. See, relationships to humans is like the apps on your phone that you can't delete, right? The camera setting, or the camera and the messages and the settings app. They are written into the hard drive. They can't be removed. And the same is true for your relational nature. You see, this is why when God makes Adam, and Adam is simply a me, even though everything else in God's good world is right and good. In chapter 2, verse 18, what did we read? God still says, it's not good for man to be alone. Because Adam being alone does not fully image God. We bear the image of a relational God, and therefore loving and receiving love and relationships is at the very heart of what it means to be human. Plants are designed for life, fish for water, and you are designed for relationship with others. Um, the late Senator John McCain, who... Uh, he was a prisoner of war during Vietnam for over five and a half years. And really do any reading of, of what life was like as a POW in the Viet Cong, and it really will make your stomach turn. But Senator McCain uh, records that during his five and a half years as a POW, prisoner of war, he, he also spent some time in solitary confinement. And this is wild, because he says this. He said that he was more excited when the Viet Cong actually let him out of solitary confinement than on the actual day that he was released from POW camp and set free. Because the solitary confinement, he said, was so brutal 
It was literally dis disintegrating his mind and body. And it was breaking him down. Why is isolation contrary to our human nature? It's because we are made in the image of a relational, loving, Trinitarian God. See, believe it or not, there is nothing more practical than the Trinity. Because in learning who God is and understanding His design for you, it will also make clear His purpose for you. Like, dare to let this make sense of you tonight. Really. That the reason this past week for so many of you at Texas A&M has been so terrifying and, an and anxious is because you're walking around a campus with thousands of people around you. But no one really knows it. Like, to be in a place where no one knows you or loves you and vice versa, of course it's terrifying. It should be. Because loneliness is literally against the very grain of reality. It's against your design as God's image. See, God's never been lonely, like we said. He didn't create out of loneliness. He creates out of the fullness of the love that he already has within himself and the Trinity. So being alone grates against your very essence. And really, tonight... Like, it's okay to admit that this week has been harder than you thought. Like, all of us want to be fully known and fully loved. Tim Keller, who passed away in May, said this, To be loved but not known is superficial. But to be known but not loved is our nightmare. Only Jesus knows us to the bottom and loves us to the sky. Do you know why it feels like, like life? When someone actually engages in a conversation with you, and you actually have fun with that person? Or like when you show up to a large group, or like a Howdy Week event, or, I don't know, like a random classroom in campus, and someone actually makes it a point to make you feel welcome? It's because you're made in the image of a relational God, and you're actually functioning according to your design. Why does your heart flutter when, when her text has not just like one exclamation point, but like five, and then a heart emoji back to it's because like you're experiencing someone like loving and caring about you. This this also means this like that as a Christian, like you cannot be a Christian and live in isolation. Like we want to do that sometimes, right? Like it's easier to avoid forgiving our roommates and like go read our Bible alone somewhere on campus. <laughs> like we want you to read your Bibles. Go read your Bibles. Yes, please. Study the Bible. Learn it. But that has to happen in community. And it was never supposed to happen alone. I mean, it is. Your personal devotional life, that's good, right? But, but like, you need to be living that out in community. Right? RUF literally stands for Reform University Fellowship. Fellowship, there's a purpose why that's in the title of RUF. Because we don't want to be a ministry where you just show up to a big worship service and leave. Like, like we want you to get connected to other Christians who are a mess, whose campus minister is a mess. And trying to learn each day what it means to be a college student to follow Jesus. Like, we want to connect you to a local church and get you involved in small group Bible studies. And walk alongside each other in the trenches of what God has called you to do as a student at a and Christianity is a community project, okay? And because you're designed by a Trinitarian relational God, you were designed for relationship with others. That's the first point. I promise the second point will be shorter, okay? So secondly is this. That we're ultimately designed by God for relationship with himself. Right? We can't miss the setting in Genesis 1 here, okay? Because over and over in chapter 1, on each day of creation, we, we already said this, right? God, the main character of the Bible, 
looks at what he has made, and he's pleased. And he declares a excuse me, a benediction, saying this is good. And so chapter 2, right, which rewinds and zooms in on day 6, we find Adam and Eve living under that benediction of God. Verse 25 tells us they're naked and unashamed. How? Well, the reason that there is no shame, that there's actually peace between Adam and Eve, the reason that they're in perfect harmony relating with one another so well, is because fundamentally Adam and Eve knew that they were perfectly right with God. They were both fully loved and fully known. Right? This is a principal truth that we're going to see all throughout our series again and again. Is that our vertical relationship with God will always, always shape our horizontal relationships with one another. We'll talk about this more next week, right? But, but this is the problem of sin in, in, in the human heart, right? Because once sin entered the world, we tend to reverse that fundamental truth, right? We make our horizontal relationships the ultimate and sometimes use our relationship with God as a means to that end, right? But it always leads to destruction because it goes against the grain of our design. Right, uh, think about Michael Scott in office, okay? We'll pick on him, okay? Right, Michael Scott in office, like, if you haven't seen that's okay. But he, he is like a living example of this crippling destruction, right? Like, all he wants, all he desperately wants are friends. And the atmosphere that he creates, right, one being a friend first, and then a boss second, and then an entertainer third, okay? Like, he wants to be, people to be afraid of how much they love him, right? But what keeps happening in, like, these hilariously awkward ways? What Michael keeps doing throughout the show again and again is that he is clinging after friends to give him an identity and a sense of self. In other words, friendship with people is the only thing that makes him think that he's okay. But that always ends up pushing people away and suffocating the relationship. And if you watch the show, actually I think the reason Michael ends up being so endearing in the office is because we actually all connect with him on that. Like the desperate need to know where your girlfriend and boyfriend is all the time and the expectation you set on them at, to be at your beckoning call is the very thing that suffocates the relationship. Like, like the doing anything and becoming whoever I need to get a friend is the very thing that will leave you lonely. The scriptures are saying that unless you are satisfied with the love of God, you won't love and serve one another freely in dating or in marriage or sex or singleness or friendship. Instead, you will consume one another trying to find your own sense of self. Right, this drives us to our final question, okay? Like, like how does God and his gospel prove that we're designed ultimately for a relationship with himself? We'll come back to this passage later on in our series when we talk about marriage. But verses 23 and 24 illustrate an answer for us. Because Adam, Adam sees Eve for the first time. And he literally breaks out into a love song, a poem. He says, at last, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She's like me. She's, she's made like me. She's beautiful and wonderful. And I get to love her. And then God says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. It's the first marriage of the Bible. But what does that have to do with relationship to God? See, throughout the entire story of the Bible, if you're new to it, what you, what you will find is that God describes himself in a lot of different ways and how he relates to his people. Like a shepherd to sheep? Like a cornerstone to a house? Like a father to his children? And yes, like a great bridegroom to his bride. 
1859, uh, a 20-year-old girl named Nancy Thornwell, she's the daughter of a Presbyterian pastor named James Thornwell, she was delightfully uh, engaged to get married. And it was actually a week before her wedding, and when she came, she actually came down with typhoid fever. And the day before she was supposed to be married, typhoid fever, typhoid fever actually took her life. And of course, it's 1859, so it's long before any kind of fast communication. So people traveling from out of town to come attend the wedding, they expected to show up at a wedding, but unexpectedly they found themselves showing up to a funeral for the bride-to-be. And her dad amazingly somehow preached the, certain, the funeral. And, uh, and he told the audience that Nanny, that's what they called her, was Nanny. Nanny, before she died, realized that like what was happening, that she was leading up to her death. And she just started comforting her parents. And she started saying, like, look, as awful as this is, she was, she was excited to see Jesus. Like she, she actually kind of gloated over her parents that she was going to be the first one in the family to see him face to face. They bury Nanny that day, the day that she was supposed to be married. And at her request, they actually buried her in her wedding dress at, at her own request. And on her tombstone, you can actually still go to Columbia, South Carolina and actually read it when you get there. It says this, her death was triumphant and glorious. She descended to the grave adorned as a bride to meet her bride. Like if we fast forward to the New Testament, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5, he quotes Genesis 2.24. He says, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And he says, this mystery is profound. Listen, listen to this. He's saying, I'm, a, I'm, he's saying I, I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Paul points to the very first marriage in the Bible, and really any earthly marriage. And when Adam and Eve look at each other in Genesis 2 and are fully known and deeply loved, he says that ultimately that is about Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. It's about Jesus, the bridegroom, and his love for his bride, the church. That from Genesis to Revelation, that's where all of world history is headed. To restore garden into a, a wedding feast that will never end. Where all relationships will be made perfectly in the, new pre- in the presence of our triune God forever. Here's what's amazing, okay? See, unlike Adam, a bridegroom who is able to, to love when he sees Eve naked and unashamed, in the gospel, Jesus the second Adam, the greater bridegroom sees us naked and full of shame. Every part of our hearts, every failure, every sin, and says at last, you're mine to love forever. A love that is so transforming and makes everything new. And a love that reflects our lives to be image bearers. Yes, in relationship to one another and ultimately in relationship to God himself. What does God and his gospel have to do with any of our relationships? Everything. Wouldn't it be worth your time to come back this semester and see that together? That's an invitation. Let's pray. Father, before his death, uh, Jesus prayed these words. As he was praying to you, he said, The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, 
that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them as you love me. Father, we look forward to the day that we, when we will share your glory forever and the Trinitarian love forever. Would you help us now to reflect that love and that grace that you have shown us? Would we show that to one another in every relationship of our lives? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the Texas A&M RUF podcast. If you're interested in joining us for a large group, we would love to see you at All Faiths Chapel on the north side of campus across from Sabisa at 8 p.m. on Wednesdays. Go ahead and follow at AggieRUF on Instagram for updates about any other events we're putting on. We hope to see you around. Thanks and gig'em.